friends, welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my sultry sex demon and woman scorn, <laughs> Alex Dandino. You're coming in very low energy for that fucking very high moniker I bestowed upon uh, you. It wasn't low energy, it was sultry, deep down. I was yeah, trying, this uh, I, I was trying to do the monotone of the tape. So the, Oh, dude, the tape. I love, we'll get to this. Yeah, we'll get to uh it. guys, we owe you a bit of an apology. So we missed last week. Uh we actually did have shows recorded for you. I did a uh, double feature with a friend of the show, Jonathan Holiday. And due to a recording snafu on his tracks, uh the quality was not good enough. You guys would have been able to listen to those conversations. Uh, so Lost to the Sands of Time is my conversations about Lost Boys and Head of the Family with John. It is a true loss. I grieve. Uh, but I guarantee you Lost Boys will be back on the show. And that someday, no matter how long it takes, I will wear someone else down to where they watch Head of the Family with me. Uh, but that's it. So this week that's we're going to come at me. you. Yeah, we're going to finish our uh, Love on the Rocks, right? Love that yeah. is uh, not going as ideally as possible in this month. Strange of, uh, love. I thought it was Strange Love. Did we change Strange it? Love, Love on the Rocks. It's all the uh, same. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe our branding's just all off. We had a hole blown in our week. So I'll tell you right knows? now, based on our selection, we could just go with Love on the Rocks because there has been some rough <laughs> ones this month. <laughs> all right, guys. So we're back with what might actually be. I was trying to think of this. This might be the best movie we've covered on the show. Oh, as far as me. like actual If we're doing a list of what the best movies are that we've actually talked about on the show, I think you could make an argument this is the best one we've covered. Um, It's hard because we did The Thing. Old Boy. Old Boy. Lady Snowblood. Yeah, they, li- really they Live is exceptionally good. Yeah. Uh, but I think this might be my favorite movie we've done. Um, I feel like this movie, Fatal Attraction, uh, Glenn Close, Michael Douglas, I feel like this is the ultimate movie to watch with your mom and dad. I feel like <laughs> this movie gave birth to a thousand other Lifetime movies that everyone's mom and aunts love. Oh, this is like the perfect, this is the best shot Lifetime movie of all time. Like there's no, oh, it's, it's not even close. No, no, there's no better lifetime movie than <laughs> Fatal Attraction. No, it's a, it's so fucking strange. I actually hadn't seen this since I got married. I've been married for five or six years now. Mm-hmm. Watching it now as a married guy with kids, it's a whole new level of distressing and awful. Like I was watching it with Amy, and at one point, like we were just having these like really bad conversations, like looking at each other. Both of us just looking so distrustfully. Right. Like, you piece of shit. You'll be the Michael Douglas, won't you? <laughs> just, like, accusatory eyes galore. Oh, my God. Uh, and she's just like, this movie is just... That was her phrase that I love. She's like, this is just difficult. This movie is just difficult. Because <laughs> there are there are moments in this film where the, the pressure and the buildup are so fucking heavy... I felt like I was being dragged through my couch. Moment? It is the entire fucking movie, man. Like, there is not a moment that yeah. I see, like, for almost from the get-go. Like, you, you get about 
15 minutes, 20 minutes five, in until the... Five tops. Like, the preamble is so much like, oh, yeah, happy life, happy wife, happy well, kid. Well, no, the movie starts with, like, what feels like a five-minute-long slow pan of a New York skyline. <laughs> so you got that going for you. <laughs> Basically, what you want to establish is these guys are rich in the 80s, and that's, like, the that's the opening shot of the movie. Well, I think they did that just by putting Michael Douglas in it. <laughs> was this? Before, I can't remember. Did Michael Douglas play a lot it, of was this, Everyman? Was this before or after uh, Wall Street? Like, yeah, that's true. He wasn't really a you know, he wasn't a farmer <laughs> character often. Yeah, I don't know. Is he ever like married to Roseanne and She Devil? <laughs> like, you know, bailing hay in a movie. Oh, few good few people can be Ed Bagley Jr. Right? There's just... right. See Ed Bagley Jr. Maybe one of the weirdest actors. Like, but just also... doesn't own cars. Likes to ride bikes everywhere, even though he lives in the hills. I think. Anywho. <laughs> Uh, I I cannot get over how great this movie was watching it today. Yeah, I think Glenn Close in this movie because she's what we all remember, right? Mm-hmm. I was writing this down. This is probably in my top ten favorite movie performances ever. He her mix of manic, conniving evil, but with this fucking mask of keeping it together that slips ever so slightly now and then and other times not very slight at all um i fucking adore her but i had forgotten how fucking good michael douglas is in this movie yeah he's so fucking overshadowed by just the the hannibal lecterness of glenn close i feel like you forget how fucking good he is in this movie I mean, I think everybody's good. Like, even Ann Archer pulls it off. Like, that's the other thing, too. The thing that I forgot was that Ann Archer was in this movie. Like, (laughs) I often just watch this movie, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Glenn Close, whatever. Like, I knew he had a wife, because obviously, otherwise, it wouldn't be, like, intriguing at all. It would just be like, oh, good for that guy. But this one was like, this time I watched, I'm like, wow, Ann Archer's, like, really turning something in here, where it's like, she has to deal with the fact that, A... Her husband slept with someone else. B, her husband slept with a crazy person. And C, her husband slept with a crazy person who, like, has malicious intent for everyone in her family. (laughs) You wanted her to have that Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca? Of all the pussies and all the burros, (laughs) you had to slip into that one. (laughs) I mean, like, she's... For real, though, this, this is a movie I cannot believe... Because I've heard rumor that some churches, because uh, I remember the guy that married me and Amy, he was, like, really intent on us doing, like, marriage training with him. Oh, yeah. Which is essentially, like, you know, the door-to-door salesmanship of uh, church people now. Right, right. And I was just like, guy, either you want the gig or not. Like, I'm not. I refuse <laughs> to do this. But I was like, I think a cooler way to pull us in is if he's like, hey, do you guys just want to watch Fatal Attraction with me? And I'll... I'll lecture you through this, the, you know, Adam and Eve scenario that we're doing. Yeah, this is like the first, like, I think there's like a movie like this that comes out every, I feel like decade. Cause like now it's gone girl. Like everyone's like, Oh, don't gone girl me. Like that's what you say to your, uh, that's what you say to your spouse now. It's like, Oh God, don't gone girl me or anything. But like in the eighties it was, Oh man, don't fatal attraction. Like that's like right. what it is. But that's a great example, right? Cause this movie has become so prevalent and they even had this kind of movie a long time ago, right? Like oh, yeah. double indemnity, right? The play, of the play Misty for like, me is a great example. Yeah, like these movies have existed for a long time. To me, right. this is peak. And what I love about this movie versus something like, uh, what is it, Gone Girl or whatever the fuck you just said? Gone Girl, play Misty for me, you know. All What's the movies. one with Affleck and Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah, that's Gone Girl. <laughs> Gone Girl. Okay, I get all his because there is that one and then something about a baby and a river. I don't know. Neither Mystic, here nor Mystic there. Mystic River? <laughs> yeah, Mystic River. 
Not the same story. But what I like about Fatal Attraction is it is so streamlined. It is so perfectly crystal clear and simple in premise. And there's they never really deviate. Because that's the thing. Like something like Gone Girl, they pull these very elaborate ruses that take a real leap of imagination to feel that so many people could fall for these things. And halfway through, they do this Shyamalan you know, fucking rug pulling. Right. This one doesn't do that. This is an immediately understandable and relatable plot. Like, this is something that led me and Amy to talk to a lot, which is, I I think the fact that people stay married is the shocking part. The fact that people have affairs, uh, kill their no, spouses, things typical. like that, that to me is so easy to understand, right? That's a slip of just this kind of animal egotism that we're all run by. Like, a question I had, right? Michael Douglas, so they do this thing, right, where he meets uh, her at the Japanese book party. We've just seen him be like, you know, the suburban dad walking around with his kid being cool. Right. Um, And he goes to the party and they meet their friends where apparently their friendship is just all four of them screaming at the same time. Every scene they hang yeah, out, yeah. they just all scream at the top of their lungs. Absolutely. Uh, that's 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 uh, that. Those are uh, friends. Those are you know adult friends. That's what you do when you. Yeah, I mean that's what me and my friends do. We don't just get together and then like watch Netflix and talk about how tired we are. We scream and yell. We sh- we, we, <laughs> we shout at each other at the top of our lungs while playing board games. That's that's. What <laughs> that actually is pretty accurate to how my yeah. life goes. That part I agree with. But no, when he meets Glenn Close at the party, first off, the first shot of Glenn Close is uh, the chunky friend. God damn it, I forget his name. I love that actor, too. I've never learned his name, but it, the only other movie I've... I've seen him in a lot of movies. The one I remember him most from is uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yes! <laughs> He's the new Moranis. No, it was so funny because uh, there it is, Stuart Pankin. Yeah, okay. Well, me and Amy, she actually got in this weird thing when she saw him in the office with his suspenders on, and she's like, he's wearing a fat suit. Nope. And I was like, he's definitely not wearing a fat suit. And she, like, paused it. She's like, this guy's definitely not shaped like that. And, like, we actually had, like, a five-minute debate. I was like, do you know the budget and, like, the extra staff and everything that would require to have a fat suit on a guy who's already chunky? Not only that, (laughs) he's in the movie for 15 minutes. Can you imagine, like, director Adrian Len, like, comes and he goes, I need that guy at least 50 pounds heavier. Like, well, he's not going to gain 50 pounds in, like, three weeks. Fat suit. (laughs) Well, he's only yeah. in the movie for 10 minutes. I don't care. $40,000 worth of fat prosthetics right Get a now. time machine. Go get the fucking monkey suit from Umbrella Academy. Let's chunk this guy up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but his his pickup line, right? So his thing is to play that he's the, the character where all audience men are supposed to sympathize with because none of us can be Michael Douglas. Right. And he looks over and he's like, what's up? <laughs> and they turn and it is this... This face of Glenn Close that is just fucking pure, dripping hatred, right? She looks like a Baba Yaga. Like, it's, it is fucking intense. She, I mean, Glenn Close is such a fascinating choice for this. Like, she's an amazing actress. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, in the 80s, she is, and even, like, I, I read the notes, too. Like, I read a lot of stuff about this. She was not anyone's first choice. Like, she, well, because she's not the classic bombshell. Well, no, that's exactly what it is. Like, she's not the femme fatale. And it's really fascinating because, like, she wasn't the choice and nobody really wanted to see. And then she came in and read. All she did was read that first scene, which has, like, by the way, no, all is all it is is sexual connotation. Like, there's no, like, there's nothing yeah. overt, like, oh, let's go back to my place and fuck. Like, there's nothing crazy about it. She's just having a conversation. But I'll tell you right now, 
the minute that scene, like that first scene between the two of them where they're in that restaurant, that is just fucking pure sex. Man. Okay, now this is what I talked about, right? So she hates his friend. They talk, and they have kind of a little repartee back and forth, and she's kind of gives him the stare down like, hmm. Next yeah. thing you know, she works with him at the office. His wife's gone for the weekend. And they do this double meat cute, right, where he's, like, in the office talking to her, and he gets some cream cheese on his nose because he eats a bagel like a fucking ogre. <laughs> vertically right. like a banana you fucking monster and he gets some cream cheese on his nose and she tells him it's like that's our first meet cute right then he goes outside and he's you know doing a beavis and butthead with his coat and his umbrella explodes <laughs> right right immediately she's like we're gonna get a cab they do the new york when they don't get their cab and then he says hey do you want to go get a drink and wait this out grabs her hand and they run and I just looked over at Amy, and I was like, this is not his first affair. Oh, interesting. Do you think that this is the first affair? This is the first... Because this is something... The title implies this, too, right? And uh, Glenn Close talks about it later in the movie, Alex. That this is like this kind of just explosive chemistry. I didn't see that at all. He strikes me as the man... And I think they they kind of illustrate it again in the moving to the suburbs, right? He's this this kind of egocentric driven i'm gonna get my name on the building type who is being pulled to suburban dad not as cool as he wants to be well it's interesting i feel like this guy's fucking all the time yeah i'd say it's probably fair actually now that i really think now that you really think about it i mean like he is a flirty dude and that's like yes. some people are just flirty when people. he grabs her fucking hand yeah if if amy had ever found out that i had like jogged down the street with some lady through the rain like that would be enough. Yeah. That would be enough. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely 100%. I like there's just nothing about that that wouldn't be jealousy inducing. Yeah, I guess now that you like those little like subtle touches too like holding someone's hand like that kind of thing, that just yeah. that's no that's specific. Th sure, this movie is loaded with just brilliant cuz a lot of it is on the surface kind of shocking moments. Yeah. And just great fucking big emotion acting. But this movie is littered with just really good reinforcing visual moments that are fucking fascinating when yeah. you start thinking about these people. Well, I th and I, th I think Michael Douglas for sure is a serial womanizer. I don't think Definitely. I don't think it's not even that like he's just I mean, it's amazing to watch a movie and like you want the guy. It's crazy. Like I was watching this and I want Michael Douglas to survive because I want him like. He's a cute little kid. He's got Ann Archer for a wife. Like he should not have a fucking problem like this, and yet he's often doing this kind of thing. I I wanted him see, to survive I, just so that like they. Could... I totally disagree. Hang on. At the end of the movie, I told Amy I was like, "That was Ann Archer's shot. She fucked up. Like when she shot Glenn Close, she could have shot him too, and then just emptied the gun and been like, oh, I was just trying to defend myself. I killed them both. Whoops.' Right. No. I, well, <laughs> if I'm her, I definitely. And then this is. This is like the evil male part of me as I'm like, oh, she wants him around so she can still pay for this fucking dream house. Well, that's well, what I was. That's what <laughs> I was that's saying. That's shitty. Like, to me, that's what I, like. But I, at minimum, I, that's what his punishment. But that's what I'm be. saying is I want him to survive <laughs> to suffer his entire like he is the villain of this fucking movie for sure. So oh, like he's the fucking scumbag, dude. So like to me, the important thing is that he has to do all this like moving out 
to the suburbs was Ann Archer's thing. Like she wanted to do that. He was like, not kind of into it, whatever. Then all of a sudden this woman is just driving him insane. So he's like, all right, we got to do it now. Like, yeah. What's great is she basically she shoots that. I think she what's interesting, she shoots Glenn close in front of him and like essentially she fucking buries him in that house. She's like, "You are here. You are nowhere else. Like I own your ass for the rest of it." Like that's why I wanted him to survive. I'm like, "Ann Archer deserves the fu- there, there needs to be a there needed to be a sequel of just revenge on Ann See, Archer." See, but they they end on that shot of like <clears throat> Them embracing, like, oh, aren't we both victims together? This is terrible. I'm like, you fucking piece of shit. Right. I love when they push in on the family picture, though, because you're like, yeah, that's what you fucked up. And that's what you've probably been trying to fuck up for a long time, and you just now got caught. Well, it is something, like, decidedly of the era. Like, I feel like if that movie was made now, like, I look at a movie like like Gone Girl obviously has very different storytelling techniques, but it essentially has some... Some of the same uh, notes, some of the same elements. I feel like Gone Girl is the tale of Ben Affleck as Batman. <laughs> and then his wife is Zack Snyder. Other pod. Other pod. <laughs> but It just dawned on me. <laughs> but, like, I can imagine if that movie was made now, especially in this kind of climate, I would imagine the mother... I would imagine Ann Archer's character doing exactly what you're saying. Like, she'd take them both out. Or she oh, that would, would have been a great way to end. Or it. she would pull that <laughs> shit with, or she would pull that Gone Girl shit where she literally leans and she's like, "I own your ass forever," like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's what it is now. Like this movie's ending is sort of this movie's ending sort of falls victim to the fact of the, the it's just a sign of the times. Like it was the eighties and we were looking; they needed a happy ending and so on and so forth. Because we all know them embracing is like a fifteen minute thing, and then they get back to the fact like. Oh, wait, the only reason this horrific shit happened is because you fucking put your dick in some rando over a weekend while I was gone. So you also, know. we really brush over the fact that he just murdered a woman with his bare hands. Yeah. And he essentially is the entire reason this is happening. Like Glenn Close's character obviously is not a great person in this, uh, but, but he just murdered a woman with bare problems. hands. She clearly I, has I will mental say, issues. This is a funny thing to me. I want to get back to the that restaurant scene. But I did have to ask, this This struck me as unusual watching it this time. I feel like there's a bit of Glenn Close's character, which I was actually a little taken aback by this time, which is, so we see her, and she's obviously a successful career woman, right? I do, by the end of the movie, I have the same question, right? Is this her top first time, like, really going apeshit over an affair? Like, has she stalked down other men before and done this? Right. But what I think is interesting is she starts off as this kind of strong, powerful, you know, the fat friend talks to her, her and she's a, she's obviously good at her job. She's in the room with Michael Douglas, right? She deserves to be there. But once we do that, it's almost like the, oh my God, this dick was so good that now I'm going to throw away my job and give up everything. She kind of becomes a little cartoonish, right? Yeah. I And you have to look at it as like this morality tale of, oh, she's kind of the the personification of his dark secret coming after him. Right. But she really feels like at a point she kind of stops being a real character. Yeah. I mean, at some point, just, she just because becomes... they like to fuck in the sink. You know I mean? Yeah. I mean, to me at some point she starts to sort of just become this, uh, she just becomes sort of a boogeyman for him. Like just, yeah. Like well, it's I... like, has she had these problems for many years? They insinuate that with the father's heart attack being real. Right. Right. But, has she done this before? Like, how is she so successful if she's this deranged? Right. Well, like, is this truly one of those moments that just set her off? So 
as I watched it this time, I was like, she's not really a person, right? right? Like, they really don't play her as an actual character a lot. Do you think she's actually pregnant? Not a chance in hell. Okay, I don't either. Like... But that's like something that I think is really fascinating within the movie is they. Well, know. I hope not because the scene after that when she's trying to call him and he changed her number, she's just fucking chain smoking and <laughs> drinking white wine. It was the eighties, man. They didn't know yet. Uh, <laughs> that's true. So this is the thing. Like, <laughs> my default answer for everything is going to be it was the eighties. Um, it was the eighties, man. It was the eighties. <laughs> those were dark. Those were dark, but very bright, colorful uh, clothing days. You know, immediately <laughs> after she got done chain smoking, she just went and did a huge line of coke, and then you know walked out her front door. Like she was living in the meatpacking district in the eighties. She was fine. <laughs> like it's a fascinating. Yeah. By thing. the way, by the way, that is probably the worst neighborhood to ever raise a baby. <laughs> I was like, you actually have meat hooks as decoration on the front of your house. Yeah. It's, so I remember there's the scene when they're coming back salsa dancing, and I'm like. Why are they in this fucking Leatherface alley? <laughs> <laughs> it's very fashionable. Having been to New York several times, I can tell you everyone likes to live in the meatpacking district, which is weird. I don't understand. Speaking it. of meatpacking district, am I right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> this well weekend. done. No, uh, we did skip over. There's a scene in the restaurant that I fucking adore, right? When they're kind of having their repartee. Right. In, there's a moment when he goes to light her cigarette. And she kind of freezes over the flame. And then she does the, are you discreet? Right? She kind of hits him with like a stop. And he's holding this fucking match. And you can see the flame getting closer and closer to burning his fingers. And she's just kind of frozen there, like taking him in. This It really is this, will you take the forbidden fruit moment? Right. And it is so fucking good. I love that shot. Go back and watch it if you uh, if you want to. That shot is... It's one of those things this movie does so fucking well. That match is about to burn him. Yeah, no. She, and he's just... She just is sitting there frozen. That's, again, that's why I think she's played more like a boogie person, right? But yeah. it's... But then we cut from there to just... It's this wild sex that is very strange, right? I think it's the kind of sex that Hollywood thinks our parents wish they still had. Yeah. I was like, I fucked plenty in my life, and I've never been like, oh, can you please like put your asshole on the dishes Ugh. and sprinkle water on me? <laughs> like, yeah, that sex was. I I wrote. I, <laughs> hang on, I, I got to read the note I wrote. Like whatever, I, I was like, let's see. It was I, that sex was brutal. Like I was like, that is disgusting. Let's see, yeah, it was just. Let's see, I was like, raw sexual energy, no romance. It's just animals <laughs> banging in the wild. <laughs> yeah. But that's why, because my wife was kind of like, oh, man, like, she's just not, I think my wife had the same reaction, right? Like, she's not this classically uh, voluptuous woman, right? She's not like a Kim Basinger of the 80s. Right. But I was watching, I'm like, dude, yeah, every guy's going to think that's hot. Yeah, I mean. And that's like the perfect affair fantasy is, because that's what I told Amy, too, is this guy, the reason I think he's perennially unfaithful is he needs the ego. Yeah. And so for her, it's this, you know, kabuki theater fucking that, you know, he's just the one thing I wrote is I'm like, dude, walking around with her on your dick with your pants around your ankle, like you can fully break your dick. Like you guys should Google that. That's highly unsafe. See, this is where I'm starting to sound old in my fucking. But you're (laughs) like, it's okay to come out and let some cold air get on your dingus and change position. Like, that's okay. (laughs) Like, they'll understand. Like, don't break your dick off. And then also, this was the other thing Amy brought up to me that I was totally not thinking about, is 
Michael Douglas is 10 times a scumbag because he didn't even have a condom. Oh, yeah. See, that's the other thing, too, that I'm Because like, I didn't think about this, but Amy's like, that was the 80s. Like, what about STDs? If you come home and your wife all of a sudden has the clap, like, you can't explain that I, one away. I mean, I wouldn't even, like, this is the crazy thing about, and, you know, she's right. Like, this is the crazy thing about that movie being in the 80s is, like, 87 was, like, one of the, I mean, one of the peak years for the uh for hiv scare like when people didn't know anything about it and didn't understand it everyone just thought oh you just breathe and get it so like right well even if you only thought gay people got it like you would still be like other stds would be bubbling at the top of your right exactly like there's so much going on in that scene that is like unhygienic and terrifying but like yeah but i and all the dead carcasses just in the alleyway like who knows what you're dragging in but i think the main and something i noted was like the whole point of them having besides it like like it functions on two levels like superficially you're supposed to watch go oh man that's fucking hot like fucking just tearing your place apart having sex of course those of us who have been married for a while and are older like no that sounds terrible i don't ever want to clean up after myself like that (laughs) like that's awful I don't even like putting my clothes away after I take them off to have sex. Like, that's just not what I want to do. But like, there is a weird thing, too, that people don't think about. But if you've tried like the sex on various surfaces, this is something I will warn you guys about. Like, if you ever are fucking on like a table or a desk from personal experience, be very careful about your ball swinging into corners. Like, (laughs) I know we're coming. It's so funny because we're like, we're coming at this movie from such a male mindset. I feel like we're only supposed to be learning lessons, but it is an interesting moment to say time out guys. Right. There's a reason that people like to fuck on beds and pillows. Yeah. (laughs) Also, it's not that bad. This is a PSA. Hey, you know, if you're going to do that on a table, just be mindful of what's swinging. And if it's on a table with your wife, I condone that. (laughs) But the other thing that I think this whole scene functions on is to like it's weird because this movie so it's this movie is supposed to like remind you like there's no romance in this at all like you're supposed to imagine that this very rom this guy's romance is reserved for ann archer and he is just supposed to like he's just going out and getting his dick wet so like i don't even believe that at all oh no absolutely right do you think he actually has romance for her no, 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 no. I'll give you a scene, no, right? No, this what is I'm the scene saying I want is, you to respond what I, to. What right? I'm saying is on the from visual elements, like that scene is supposed to remind you that nothing about that is romantic. Like he yeah. is a callous asshole who just wanted to have sex with this woman. Like we don't know what she's thinking yet, but he clearly just wanted to have sex with her because if he was right, small, he's essentially fucking this imaginary version of himself. Exactly. It's like an American psycho. There's no thing. romance in it for him. At all. No, well, I love to because the, the setup they give us for this is when they get home from the party and he's ready to fuck. But his wife's like, take the dog out. And then he comes back and the little girl is in bed with his wife. And you yeah. see that look of sadness on his face as if that's supposed to help us set the tone. Yeah, I'm like, I don't I'm feel like, that's bad That's been for my life guy. for like years now, right? Like every uh, parents know the, oh shit, the kids are awake or want to be in our bed. Yeah. Right? Like, uh but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it, I think it is this egotism. But that was something I noticed. I don't think he actually loves Ann Archer at all, right? I think he's very conscious of what he looks like and what he's supposed to be doing. Um, there's even a part of me that's like, oh, well, her parents have a lot of money, so that might have helped him along. You know, he's kind of a shitbag. There's a scene, and there there are constant scenes of Michael Douglas not being a good guy and then trying to be cool. Like, when he starts railing shit off to his secretary, and then at the end, he's like, oh, hi. 
And it's supposed to be like this cute, like, oh, see, he is a nice guy. But I took it as, yeah, lead with that, you fucking cock. Oh, no. Or how about this? The the two that are the most prevalent to me that I think are the most shocking are when he feels everything crushing in on him and his wife's getting ready, right? It's the white brawl shot. And then uh, before their friends come over for another of their, like, screaming hooplas. (laughs) And he just is staring at her. And then he gets behind her. He's like, look at you. Oh my God, it's magnificent, right? He's talking about her like she's like he's fucking. Uh, what's his name? Jake Gyllenhaal and Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> and I'm like, he's on the defensive, right? He he's so guilty and ashamed that he's like over husbanding now. Yeah. Well, and I was like, what a piece of shit. The other time that I found most fascinating was, uh, when Glenn Close cuts herself, right? Yeah. And. She even says later on, like, oh, it's so nice that you stayed. Most guys wouldn't have stayed. And it's played off as this, like, look, he is, like, kind of a caring guy. Look, he ran to get bandages after she cut herself. please. And in the morning when he's like, I hope you're okay, and gives her a kiss on the forehead, I'm like, look at this motherfucker trying to cleanse his soul. Thinking that in his mind, you know, he's like, God, I'm such a good dude, and my dick is great. And (laughs) I was like, I fucking hated Yeah. Michael Douglas's character so much more than I remembered. Absolutely. So I think it, it reminds me a little bit. I was actually just watching Lorena on Amazon Prime, right? The Lorena Bobbitt story. And I yeah. remember I was young when that happened, but it was like the joke of like, ah, oh, you're a dickless Bobbitt, whatever. Right. When we were little kids on the playground, that was like the burn. But you think back now and it, and one of the things they talk about in that doc is how all these men have like these, they such a sympathy with him, even if he's a piece of shit, because we all imagine the horror of losing our dicks. They have a lot of guys that are like, that's the most important thing to a man. <laughs> and I was like, I think there's a bit of that that people probably had with Michael Douglas. Like, how uncool that he's going through this. Right. All the while forgetting he's a terrible garbage human that brought <laughs> all of this and more upon himself. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I mean. I've, I felt bad for his family that they were saddled with him, but I never yeah. feel sympathy for him. I never feel sympathy for him. I feel bad for Ann Archer having to deal with it, and I feel bad for that kid who has to grow up in that oh house. Oh, my God. His daughter's rabbit gets brutally murdered. Oh, yeah. Like, like so that's the thing. Oh. Like, all of the stuff that compounds, and, like, I don't give a shit about the guy's car. Like, when he walks up, and there's, like, acid on his car, I'm like, Eh, whatever, dude. You live in New York. Like, what the fuck do you need a car for? <laughs> like, that was the crazy thing. I think it was either before they moved or right before they moved. Like, oh, I have a car. I'm like, why? Who has a car in New York? I don't know anyone. Anyone I know does well, not. They have own to go to car. their wealthy country homes all the time. So they like the acid. Anything that happens to him directly, I don't give a shit about. It's when like it's only when it affects the kid. Like that's the stuff that I'm like, this is not okay. Every time. Oh, my God. That, But that's what it, this movie has probably four or five just, like, draw-jopping scenes, right? Like, I don't know that her cutting her – the elevator blowjob is very strange, but I wouldn't even classify that, right? But no. uh, her cutting herself, there's some attacks and this and that. But the rabbit scene is probably the most iconic. Yeah. Oh, no, it's like, the that thing that everyone one of those, knows. Like, holy fucking shit. And, again, I think the reason you – that's one of the first times that it's hitting his family. Yeah. Even when Glenn Close goes to his apartment, you don't feel bad for him, right? You're like, good, you little fuck, sit and stew in it. Yeah. Because that's one of the first times in the movie, I think, where it's like, oh, my God, like, his family's actually suffering now. Yeah. And then the the most terrifying scene in the oh movie my God. by far 
is the kidnapping. That's horrifying. Like that I, is. I like, have a. I have two kids that I drop off at daycares, and that is probably like the biggest nightmare that we all share. Yeah. Um. What that, do you think's going through her mind in that moment? Who? Uh, First off, besides Glenn like Close? I know what Ann Archer's idea is. Like I should sue this school because they can't tell the difference between me and Glenn Close. Right. <laughs> That's a bad right? one. There's always that. But what what is Glenn Close's play stealing that girl? I feel like Glenn Close... And is that evidence that she does think she's having a baby? I'm not sure Glenn Close has a play. I don't think it's evidence she's having a baby. I think it's evidence that she has having a psychotic break and maybe wants to think... like Because it compounds for that ending when she walks in on Ann Archer and she goes, what are you doing in the- here? Like She asks yeah. her these like weird sort of cryptic questions like, why are you here? Like It's her house. So clearly Glenn yeah. Close's psychotic break is now forcing her to... like. She's like forcing her psychologically to think she's a part of this family to see Michael Douglas's child as her child. Like to the point where like when she's out, like the really the like shocking scene to me is actually when she's outside their house watching them, the three of them together in that house. Yeah. And she becomes so like wrapped up in her emotions. She, she actually vomits like she becomes yeah. violently ill. Like that to me is the bit that is like. There's no time in this movie that I don't think like Glenn Close is like clearly a massive victim. Like that's the thing that sucks. Like I know that she does terrible things and she should not kill rabbits and steal kids and all that shit. But she also is a victim <laughs> of a fucking right. like predator who essentially tricked well, I her like, and gave her well, no, yeah. gave her good. Feelings. I love her. She has great lines about that, right? Like the I don't think I like this. You know what I mean? Like I love that line in the moment where she's like, I don't think I like that you're just gonna leave. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I like when she, cause that's the thing. She knows what she's getting into, Yeah. but then she, I think she thinks she can win. Right. Cause she makes the valid point of, well, if you're so happy, what are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. Right. Which, and then I just, I, I love that. It's, you know, I don't think I like this. And he's just like, well, we both had an opportunity and we took it. Um, which is like you know, the most later asshole she comes thing back to and say she's like, ever. I won't allow myself to be used by you. Right. Right. And there, there is this, like, because I feel like the argument that, like, men will want to make is, well, she knew what the fuck she was doing. But to me, it's like, she's not married, man. She's yeah. out on the prowl making it's connections. It's very, like, very It's different. the person who has the ring on their finger. Yeah. That is the one making that. I, I know everyone hates, like, oh, you took that guy, that lady's husband. It's like, no, that husband left. Yeah. Like, you're not married. You can fuck whoever you want. Like, if you're married, you're the one who made a vow. And so... I feel like they try to give Michael Douglas like a minute amount of cover that just doesn't fucking fly with me at all. No, um, no, that's the, that's the thing. Glenn Close is so fascinating. The, I th forgot another scene that highlights Michael Douglas as a piece of shit to me, which is when she's calling him the next day. Right, like first off, there's the red flag of he's been running around the house trying to make it look lived in. Oh, dude, I'm like, come on, and he, man. he gets the number right, or he gets the call, and he's like, how'd you get my number? She's just like, come over, come over, bring your dog, bring your. She's very persistent, and you see yeah. this smile inch across Michael Douglas's face, mm -hmm. and he's just like, you don't give up, do you? And it's that fucking moment of like self-stroking, right? Like, oh my god, she wanted it so bad. I'm so good at sex. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes and takes his dog, and I'm just like, man, you are just a fucking scumbag. <laughs> well, what was that shit? But that like moment says everything about him. Oh, absolutely. Like that was the thing. Like, I really think that the scene in Central Park when they're playing with the dog, like, 
doing that right. kind of thing and being playful. Like it's not just dinner and fucking. Like if you're gonna no. or like going out and salsa dancing. Like if you're gonna go to the park during the day in broad daylight and like play with a play with the family dog and be together, like you are inviting a different level of emotion to a corp- to creep in. Like yes. that's the thing that's really troubling, and that's the thing that I think makes Michael Douglas the real piece of shit. Like, oh, like probably one of the worst like cheaters of all time in movies because he totally can't like figure out how to like cut it off. But regardless, like, right. <laughs> it's it, like well, no, he's like doing the Instagram Facebook family playing in the park. You see where it's yeah, like, exactly. Is someone filming us. Look at how much fun we had together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like no one exactly plays like that. <laughs> no one does that. But also nobody. Also nobody plays dead in the middle of the park like a fucking yeah. psychopath. Like well, that, also that, and then when Glenn Close is like, my dad died, just kidding, and he's like, oh, really uncool joke, and it's like, you actually just pretended to be dead. Yeah, relax, guy. <laughs> like, don't, don't turn around and high hand here, Carrot Top. <laughs> yeah, you've got some real, you got some real fucking balls on you to sit there and go, <laughs> great play, practical joke, yeah. pretending to well, be no, dead. I think you're right, too, because Glenn Close even says that, right? She's like, if you were just man enough to tell me to fuck off, I'd respect you more. Hell yeah. But Michael Douglas has this built-in character flaw of he's so desperate to be perceived as this good man this good man this family man hard worker um that even when he does kiss her after she cuts herself he believes he's being a good guy i think yeah like somewhere deep down inside he has to know he's full of shit but i think i think it's part of the lies that we all tell ourselves lies all the time right right and what he's doing is he's crafted this narrative that i think he honestly does believe his, Even if beneath is this kind of cauldron of roiling darkness. His moral compass is so far eschewed from that whole thing. Like, it's amazing. Like, he for sure, he for sure has cheated on Ann Archer. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, now we're really considering it. He's for sure cheated on Ann Archer before and has for sure done this with other women. This is just the first one that's pushed back. Like, that's what's crazy about this movie to me is, like, none of it really is from... I don't read anything from his perspective because all of it just seems like bullshit. Like he is dealing like once it involves the family, then it's like, well, Ann Archer should take care of her family. Michael Douglas should well, be kicked yeah, out of the once house. Once she's killing bunnies and kidnapping or like, this is dangerous now for the kid. Right. Exactly. Once you're endangering other people, particularly children, like there's a different story here, but like Ann Archer should have like kicked Michael Douglas out of the house and he should have had to stay until he cleaned it up. Like, that's the way that that's the way this movie should have ended. Not Ann Archer saving Michael Douglas's life. And then like being like, well, you know, I forgive you. Like, I want this to work. Like, no, fuck off. You go live in a hotel for right. like however long it takes you. <laughs> and then, you know, if she comes at if she comes at you and tries to kill you, like defend yourself. I don't care otherwise. Yeah. Ann Archer will be fine. Like she should leave him. I'm not sure that she doesn't after the movie's over. Did you see that? They try to They constantly give it. They give him cover. Right. Like when Glenn Close uh, asked the daughter, like, where's my kiss? Oh, you're like, oh, it's so fucking insanely vile. Did you know they reshot uncomfortable? Did you know they reshot that ending? Which ending? The The bathtub? The ending of the movie was supposed to be very different, apparently. And Glenn Close was like super against it. Oh man, no. threesome ending? <laughs> well, no, that's the that's the uh, that's the uh, that's the male ending. The, bi- the big love ending. <laughs> that's the big love ending. No, and they all went to Utah and sister wives themselves into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, she made apparently like a huge stink about. Basically, she thought that the end of the original ending of the movie framed her as like an abject villain. 
as like the one who really like caused all these problems. She's like, that's bullshit. Well, what what was the scene? What what would it have looked like in that ending? I'm pulling it up right now. But basically, she had a whole thing where um, she had a whole thing where she was like, I don't really think that this is fair. She's like, the big thing was. Um, she showed up and tried to kill Ann Archer, and she's like, I need to be able to, like, that. So the when they get to the bathroom, and she's cutting her leg. Remember that scene where she's, like, digging the knife God, into her leg? That is, uh, that is such fucking brilliant filmmaking. Okay. I fucking adore that scene. That was her, because she requ- she said, there needs to be something in this. Like, if this is how we're going to end this movie, there needs to be something here where everyone knows that Alex is, like, off the deep end. Like, we need to know that she's gone right. completely insane so that she isn't just this innocent so that she is less innocent, even though she totally is the victim here. She needs to have at least something besides that going on. So they like, she added this part where she started like digging into her leg. Yeah. And see, that's, that's brilliant. Cause what it does is I like the fantasy of like, why are you here? Right? Like she was testing out being the mom, right? Being the wife that lives at the house. Now she's like seemingly actually broken. And it's this great moment of, when they both are just face to face, right? That over the shoulder shot where you're like, look at the fucking damage wrought upon these two women by this man. And he's not the one up there suffering the the effects of this, right? Right. And so in a way, she she is still sympathetic to me at the end. Like she's obviously crossed the boundary. But as she's cutting herself, it's this little like almost like she's trying to wake herself up. Right? Like, I was successful. I was okay. Like, this has gotten way out of control. And the other wife's all beaten up and they're fighting. This does have one of the funniest scenes in a movie to me, which is where Michael Douglas is just downstairs putting around the kitchen. <laughs> and he looks up and he's like, hmm, water damage on my ceiling. And he doesn't immediately have the reaction of, yeah, it just goes, oh, fuck. Oh, well. I forgot also that scene of like not giving a fuck about the water damage is followed by him walking around locking the house and windows. It's like, wait a sec. This woman's kidnapped your kid. The cops just called you on the phone and said they don't know where she's at. And it never occurred to you, like, perhaps I should have the house locked up. <laughs> so, all right. Very aloof, Michael Douglas. But, yeah, that that final scene, I love that showdown moment. So it's, it's fucking brilliant. So the original ending was Alex breaks into the house and takes that knife that she finds in the kitchen. She takes mm-hmm. that knife and slits her throat in front of uh, Michael Douglas and to make it look like uh, he murdered her. Oh, you know what? Because when they had their fight in the apartment, they show him putting down the knife. Yeah. So his fingerprints would have been all over it. So that's the idea is that that like so that happens. And then okay. she after, and then I'm reading this from Wikipedia just to, you know, credit. Uh, but after seeing her husband being taken away by police, Beth finds a revealing cassette tape, which is the cassette tape you listen to, uh, that Alex sent Dan in which she threatens to kill herself. Upon realizing Alex's intentions, Beth takes the tape to the police, which acquits Dan of the murder. The last scene shows in flashback Alex taking her own life by slashing, slashing her throat while listening to Madam Butterfly. I don't hate that ending if his wife plays the tape and then throws it away. That's a better see. That's the end. Let's I let think, Michael Douglas go to jail for I, yeah, what he's done. I think I think that's the ending you would have gone with. I don't think I think Ann Archer saving Michael Douglas is probably the one aspect of this movie that I think is a little false. Well, I I think the ending again, like they do, and I think this is just he's kind of the male lead of the movie, so they give him some cover, right? Right by the end, where it's like, oh, this poor man. 
And it's like, he's just not, right? Like, I, I do not feel sympathy for him by the end, and I want him to suffer more. And to be fair, when it cu- cuts to black or fades to black, like, he's probably going to have a terrible rest of his life until this marriage is dissolved. Right. right. And it's never easy when that happens with the kid. Like things are not good for him. Her parents fucking hate him. Withering looks of condem- <laughs> condemnation. Like this is not going to just like be cool when this is over. No. Like there's that's the crazy thing, too, is like, yeah, the, I just don't understand that final shot. Like it's such a strange thing. Like how can you just are you guys just like so shell shocked? No one remembers that this guy like banged this lady out and it's caused all these problems you guys had to move out to the fucking country to to get away from this lady she still found you like that's the stuff that i think is bizarre regarding this whole thing it's weird i think again like you said it's it's just the 80s and that's how this movie should end so that wives and husbands can watch it together and be like see it's not us we're happy together (laughs) uh one of the other things we got to talk about um this movie is some of the absolute best examples of just the stillness of sound and shot yeah creating dramatic effect right like the most obvious example is uh every time a phone rings in this movie you feel like someone's got a knife to your throat it's super like when they're having the friendship debate right or the friendship shouting match rah, 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 we're friends jokes off you know new york elite people conversation ah and the phone rings, and there's this slow push in on the phone, and the slow push in on Michael Douglas. I mean, this thing lasts, it feels like minutes. I'm sure it's only like a minute, right? Right. There is so much fucking pressure in that shot. Uh, when he shows up to his office, and he's just staring at her and has to gather himself to pretend he's cool right in front of his secretary. When he comes in, and she's in his fucking home, and he's just sitting there trying to hold it together, you know, in the same room with his wife and the woman he's had an affair with. Um, The stillness in this movie where we just sit and watch these fucking actors emote is, it is used to such devastating effect. It's pretty perfect. Like, as far as that kind of shit goes, I mean, honestly, they they turn Glenn Close into the telephone, into the boogeyman. Like, Freddy Krueger once became a phone, but it was, like, cartoonish and horror movie. Yeah. Like, every time that phone rings, you just imagine Glenn Close, right? Like, you see the lamp flicking on and off. And you just see her on the other end, right? Your imagination is running wild with the evil that awaits this man. Right. I mean, it's just... Oh, God. It's just so fucking... It's it's terrifying. But, like, everything in this movie, particularly phone calls... And any odd... There's a lot of audio... There's a lot of great audio aspects to this movie. Like, the... Like those phone calls are at a such higher decibel level than literally every other piece of audio in this movie. Like, well, you forget what it was like to have landlines. Yeah, like the rotary <laughs> right? like, phone. We're oh old enough, God. like I remember, right? Because you're like, now everyone's just got their phone on silent. And you just text back. Like this would be like a text exchange with emojis and shit. Right, right. Way less terrifying. <laughs> yeah, with the technology we have now, this movie is fascinating in that it could still wo- it could still work. But it would be a text conversation. Be you know how it would work? How it would work is there's that great scene when Michael Douglas breaks into her house for the first time. And he's like, if you ever go near my wife again, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. And she's like, it only takes one phone call, Dan. Danny boy. (laughs) She doesn't say that part. But she runs and gets the phone, dials, and you hear his wife on the other end. 
and she doesn't rat him out. Yeah. Because her game is not complete. Yeah. Because in today's world, you're like, oh, this would be like one of those like NBA side piece, like Instagramming the <laughs> wife and being like, my booty better than yours, bitch. Like, you know, I've seen those pop up on TMZ like, you fucking old, you lame, what? They're just these girls fucking going crazy, right? Like, yeah. oh, here's this young 18-year-old blonde girl versus, you know, the woman this NBA player has four kids with. That movie you came know, out you, I've seen that fight on Instagram, yeah, right? Yeah, Like, you see that in celebrity culture where it's like, it's really hard to have affairs now because, like, a Glenn Close would just rat you the fuck out to the whole world. Right. Right? Or you get caught, I mean... Honestly, you just get caught but on Glenn Close media. didn't want to rat him out. She wanted him stuck in this fucking Yeah. She game. wanted him in her game. Like, she wanted the control, and I think that's what she had for pretty much the entire movie. I mean, really, up until she is killed, she controls the game. Well, he does confess eventually in one of the hardest scenes to sit through I've experienced in, a in my life. It's fucking... I was sitting there watching it with my wife, and she was just, like, staring at me. Like, you fucking <laughs> men. And I'm like, God damn, dude, like... I didn't do that. Also, you're like, Amy, if I have an affair, believe me, I would never confess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're going down like they could they could boil everyone we know and I would not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to the grave with this secret. Oh, no. Man. Uh, yeah. The 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 telephone usage, the the voyeurism. Uh, another thing is, yeah, like I said, just the acting is incredible. The The emotion acting in this. There are like three scenes that pop to my mind right away that are just so fucking good, right? When when she comes to apologize to him in the office and offer him the Madam Butterfly tickets, like yeah. she still thinks she can salvage this. Yeah. And she puts her hand out for a handshake and he grabs her for the hug and she gets this like quick, elated, surprise smile. Ugh. I was like, what a fucking choice, man. That it just gives you chills because you're like, oh God, it's on again. Yeah. Um, the the time at the end when they were when he was about to strangle her right that is like insane his strangle face as he looks at her oh it's good the the upward strangle face with the the fucking chandelier thing going back and forth the light fixture i mean oh my god oh. and as he releases her she sits there and looks and this fucking smile just unfurls across her face yeah and as oh my god <laughs> like it's i i i am what I, my final takeaway from this is besides just that this is a fucking razor sharp, crystal clear, concise narrative that everyone can relate to um, with just outstanding acting. But I think what this movie separates from like your average kind of lifetime movie is that while it has these big bombastic moments, right? The fighting for your life, the, the sink fucking, the elevator blowjob, right? When people are just walking by and that's cool. Uh, you know, the boiling of a bunny, the kidnapping of a kid, the, the, the Michael Myers getting out of the tub. Um, while it has those big, the acid on the car, right? It has these big bombastic trailer moments. The fucking visual storytelling and the, the letting these actors just fucking show you why people like that are at the top of the game is so fucking impressive. The visual storytelling and the quiet moment storytelling is so fucking good, man. Yeah. And I, I looked it up, and when I saw Adrian Lane, I thought that it was a woman who had directed this. No, no. <laughs> but it okay. is a man. Yeah, so I was like, that explains some of Because I actually looked it up, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, he also did Flashdance and Indecent Proposal. This guy had, like, a weird. This guy's got a thing. He's got a thing, right? Jacob's Ladder? I don't know. Maybe that was him, like, I read that, too. I was like, Jacob Ladder, huh? <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, but I remember when the thing came up, 
uh, Amy was like, oh, f- yeah, of course a woman directed this because, like, men are pieces of shit. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I don't see it. And I think that explains some of the, the cover for Michael Douglas. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it's that it's that next level of just brilliant directing, cinematography, all of it coming together with and just letting these two actors fully fucking inhabit world and mind. And, I mean, Glenn Close, this is an all-time – and not to sleep on Michael Douglas, like, so much better than I remembered. Right. Uh, but Glenn Close in this movie, I mean, I, I can't imagine there's a person on this earth that wouldn't just benefit from seeing – someone turn a performance in like this oh absolutely uh i just want to add adrian lynn has made uh has been working since the 70s the movies he made in the 80s and 90s were flash dance nine and a half weeks fatal attraction yeah. jacob's oh, ladder dude. indecent proposal the remake of lolita and then the movie unfaithful nine and a half weeks good lord that one is a <laughs> that is an interesting fucking movie yeah, I know. I it's so funny because I'm bad with names. I forgot. Like I saw it in Faithful. I'm like, this guy is pretty much like my mom's Spotify playlist of movies. <laughs> like, he directed <laughs> all the shit she likes. <laughs> no, it's it's just a fuck. But that's what I mean, right? Like, where do you rank this? Let's say you had to give it a letterboxed rating out of five. Where do you rank this among the movies that we've covered on the show? It's got to be top three. I think the thing is the one that I would grapple with just because I'm more of a sci-fi guy and it's sci-fi horror, which really does me good. Yeah. It's but a, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, this might be the best movie we've covered. I think you could make an argument that it's just that strong. Yeah. I mean, this movie has a lot of, there's, this movie's probably the most, it's, it's probably the most taught as far as tone goes. Like, Mm-hmm. It knows what it is immediately, so it doesn't have any other. It has no other qualms. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. If, if no, I mean, honest. there there are just like what I like too is there's like 15 moments you could just show someone that sum up and reinforce every theme of this movie in like 20 seconds. <laughs> yes. Right, like the subway going down the stairs, where it's like, "Why are you trying to hurt me?" And she's like, "I'm not. I love you." And he just, like, blows her off and walks away in her reaction to that. I'm like, yeah, that one little scene. It's just this constant brick-by-brick genius workman, you know, uh, project. It's just perfect to me. Except for, I think Michael Douglas should have got fucking got in the end. Yeah, I agree. Michael Douglas should have stayed in. Yeah. I wish they had the original ending. I would have liked to seen her, like, burn the tape and then let him just rot in jail. Yeah, I mean, that that fucking tape scene. We didn't even talk about the tape scene of them just driving back to back. Oh, my God. It's pretty it's, good. It's a, it is a monumental uh, film that I think everyone should watch. Guys, we hope you loved Fatal Attraction as much as we did. Not to a damaging Murder Bunnies kind of level. But we hope you liked it an appropriate put a ring on it level. <laughs> uh Okay, guys, one more movie in Love on the Rocks month, uh, May. The Lucky McKee horror film 2003, I think. 2002. I fucking love May. I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, A movie I think, especially even among horror fans, we don't talk about enough. Um, So, yeah, guys, that'll be coming at you soon. And then we're still deciding what fucking delectable treats to drop on you next month. Uh, We'll for sure be covering Jordan Peele's new movie, Us. Uh, Cannot wait to get to the theater and do a long dive into that for you guys um for the film alchemist i'm josh griffey 
I'm Alex Tandino.